Um, okay, Waffle Hat. When you surf and I want to wear a shirt that says something Baptist and for people to sniff the rain and for my friends. And I can't toot. I've got a rash for Christ. And, um, my wife is constipated. What a skunk. Okay. And y'all just pray. Okay, but with me, she says it's okay. And a bunch of very pretty people are all like, mmm. I'm with it. And I made poo everywhere. Oh no, but wipe it on the side, buddy. I'm about to be done with your life, wussy face. Sofa dum dum. Who are fat people? I am a nephew. And in the name of Jesus, cantaloupe. I want it. Well, how the bleep are you, Raider Church? Oh, man. I, that was a lot funnier in my mind. So either it's not funny or you guys are just really like dull tonight. So let me ask you, how the bleep are you, Raider Church? Okay, that, that's, that, that's, that's better. All right, that makes me feel better. Well, this week's a big week, right? I mean, this week is Valentine's Day and some of you are like, shut up. I, I don't care if it's Valentine's Day week. Others of you are like, oh yeah, yeah, thanks for reminding me. So this week is Valentine's week, okay? And like a week ago, our son Levi at dinner tells us that um, he has a Valentine. And we're like, excuse me, you, you didn't ask us. Like, you, you got to ask us before you get a Valentine, mister. And so we asked him, and we say, hey, what, so are you planning to get her something? He said, oh, yeah, she, tell, she told me what she wants for Valentine's Day. I was like, oh, well, okay, well, what does she want? And he said, well, she wants a big bear, she wants chocolates, and she wants flowers. And we were like, oh, really? Well, uh, how much money do you have, Levi? He said, I got $1. Man, some of y'all are feeling that. I, I know, I know. And, and you're right there with, with, with Levi. So, so this week's a big week. But I think this week's a bigger week because tomorrow night there's uh, this basketball game. I don't know if y'all know, uh, but uh, Texas Tech is playing OU. And so uh, we've got the, the number seven ranked basketball team here at Texas Tech. And... Um, We've got some special guests here tonight. And so if you guys would uh, give these guys a hand, you guys come on out. And um, what we wanted to do tonight, we got a lot of the guys from the, the basketball team here. Y'all just keep coming in. Maybe we can get some more room here. Sorry, these guys are huge, so they're taking up a lot of space. So. Um, Here's what we invited them to, to come here tonight, and um, we wanted to pray over them, um, and we want to pray that God would bless them and their, their families, bless them uh, while they're here at Tech as they uh, study and also uh, play basketball. Um, we want to pray, too, um, because these guys, and, and, and they know this, but, but they've been put in a, a position of great influence, and uh, especially right now, that they've got a huge stage uh, to be able to glorify God with. And so uh, we just want to pray that, that God will use them and uh, that they'll steward the influence in the stage that God has given them uh, well. And it was interesting. It was cool this week. Um, I was messaging back and forth with... Um, uh, Justin Gray and and I know uh, Parker was talking with with Keenan and they were just kind of saying well we don't we're not really sure about it because we just we, we don't want to necessarily just kind of be up in front of everybody and and, and act like uh, you know that it's all about us and so you know I just really appreciated that because you know as big of a stage and as uh, as well known as these guys are now uh, they weren't wanting Raider Church or tonight really to be all about them but we just said we wanted you guys to be here we want to pray over you we want to pray God's blessing on your life and so let's do that now. Would you join me in, in prayer? And if you're watching online, you can join us in prayer. And, and if you're comfortable, uh, would you just kind of raise a hand out like you're like, just kind of like you're praying for us, like you've got kind of like you've got a, a hand on their shoulder. And if you're not good with that, then don't. But if you're comfortable with that, just kind of stick a hand out and join me um, as we pray over these guys. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for each one of these guys. And God, I pray that in Jesus name, you would just bless them. God, you would bless them and their families. God, you would bless their time here at Tech. 
God, you would help them, God, in Jesus' name, as they play basketball and practice and work out, God, and, and still go to school and have homework and do all those things. And uh, God, I pray that you would bless them and give them the, the strength and the ability, God, to, to study and to do well while they're here at Tech. God, we pray that you would use uh, this stage, God, and the influence that you've given them. God, and we pray that you would, you would allow them to steward that well. God, that as people look at them and um, God, as they are on camera and talking to, to many people all the time, God, I pray that you would use them, God, to bring glory to your name and that in everything that they do, God, whether it's practicing or playing or going to school or being with their family or whatever it is, God, you would allow them, each one of them to do that, God, to the best of their ability. God, that they would do that as if they're serving you and not man. And so, God, would you bless them and use them on this stage that you've given them, God? Would you allow them, God, to use the influence that you've given them, God, to bring glory to your name and to further your kingdom? And God, we also pray, God, for protection over them. God, as they practice, as they play tomorrow night, God, we pray that you would protect them in Jesus' name. You would protect their families and their friends, their loved ones, God. Would you protect them? And God, we also pray, God, that you would bring healing uh, to them. God, we know that as they play this game, God, there's, there's injuries, and a lot of times they're playing through pain and playing through injuries. God, would you just heal them, God, head to toe? And God, we pray that same thing over Zach, that you would heal his foot right now. In Jesus' name, God, you would bring complete healing to Zach. And God, we pray that you would use this team God, together. God, I know we, we've, we've seen them. We, we get to see them together and interact. Uh, God, and I, we pray, God, that you would just bring them together, God, as one. And they would continue to be a team that glorifies you and lifts up your name, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you guys give them, give them a hand? Thank them for coming. Thank you, guys. We're honored that y'all would come and that we could, we could pray for you guys tonight. So thank you for coming. They're going to be here for a little while. They've got curfew, okay? Um, it's kind of like living at home with your parents, right? You, they, they've got a curfew. So they're going to be here for a little bit, and then they got to be in at 10. Uh, so let's, uh, let's, again, let's just thank them for being here. Thank you, guys. So um, one of the things you learn as you're married for a while is you begin to like learn the ins and outs of the person that you're married to. You begin to pick up on some of the things and habits that they do that maybe you never would have seen before because you didn't live with that person before. But as you live with someone and you do day-to-day -day life with them, you get to see and find out and, and kind of see behind the scenes of what that person does and how they live and do day-to-day -day life. And so one of the things I picked up on with my wife is that she loves to talk to herself. So I'll, I'll, she'll be in the kitchen and I'll walk in and, and if she doesn't see me coming, like I'll see her, like her mouth is moving and, and she's talking to herself. And one of my favorite things to do when I come in is to say, what, what was that? Who, who, who are you talking to? And I, I do it to her all the time because I know she's, she's not talking to anybody. She's talking to herself. Now, here's the funny thing, okay? Now my daughter, Nixon, does it. Like, she does exactly the, the, the way Darby does. I mean, and she will get animated, okay, when she's talking and when she's talking to herself. So I've picked up on this sometimes that when we're in the car, if we're listening to something and, and the boys are doing something, she'll just be going to town talking to herself. And she's got all these hand motions going on. She's doing all kinds of stuff. I actually videotaped it uh, a couple of weeks ago. So here she is in the back seat of our car talking to herself. A spectacular catch. Jacksonville with Miles Jack on it. Well, they, they may not need to play defense again. 
and she's got all these hand motions, and I, I think, I couldn't really hear it because we were listening to uh, the, the AFC Championship game on the radio, and it was really loud because my boys were playing a card game, and so I was trying to listen to the game, so it was up really loud, and I look back, and I see her, and she is just going to town, and I think she was acting like her teacher teaching her class, and so she was just going like, like strong, and I, just, I thought it was hilarious. So let me ask you, okay, how many of you guys talk to yourself. How, how many of y'all have done that? Like you, you just, you'll, you'll talk to yourself. Okay. Be honest. No shame. All right. You can be honest. No judgment. Okay. Girls, how many of, how, how many of y'all ha, do, do just be honest. Okay. And let me see your hands. How many of y'all talk to yourself? Uh, yeah, I thought so. I thought so. You know, they say girls like speak like a hundred million words a day and guys are like 10. Um, and, and I think probably half that is to yourself. So, so girls, they just tend to talk to themselves more. But, but here's, here's what I'm hoping will happen by the end of tonight and, and for this week, that you will all be talking to yourself every day, all this week. I'm serious. Like I'm hoping by the end of tonight, that I will convince you and then you will this week be talking to yourself. You're just going to be walking on campus and you're just going to be talking to yourself and people are going to be like, what? What? what, what's going on? I, I, I'm serious. I'm, my prayer tonight is that I can convince you and show you that you need to be talking to yourself. That you need to be speaking life over yourself. Speaking truth over yourself and into yourself, because when you do that, it leads to life. If you got a Bible, turn to James chapter three. James chapter three. James is the, the brother of Jesus. Didn't believe that Jesus was the son of God because Jesus was his brother. I'm, not, I'm sure you can imagine that if your brother was walking around saying they're the son of God, uh, you're gonna say, dude, you're crazy. You're, you're not the son of God. Like if your brother started saying, I'm the son of God, you would say, no. You're not the son of God, trust me, okay? Well, James is the brother of Jesus, and James sees Jesus risen from the dead, and he can't help but give his life to his brother, Jesus. And he starts out James chapter 1, and he says, James, he introduces himself as a servant of Christ, his brother. And so one of the reasons people believe that, that Jesus really did raise from the dead, one of many, and we did a series on this a, a year ago or so, but one of many is that James, the brother of Jesus, who was a skeptic, who did not believe, in fact, it was many times in the Gospels, it said that James and their other brothers thought Jesus was crazy. Like they said he was out of his mind because he was the son of God. And so James didn't believe, but he sees Jesus risen from the dead, and James ends up giving his life as a martyr, saying he saw, I witnessed his brother Jesus risen from the dead. So James starts off, James 1, James, a servant of Christ, of Jesus, his brother. And then he gets to chapter 3, and James is going to say that our words have a unique power and ability to affect the direction of our lives. That every word you say, the words that you speak over yourself and into others can affect the very direction of your life and their life. And so this series is very important. And you'll see why here in just a second. Because James would say the words that we speak carry great power and can alter the direction of your life and other people's lives. So let's go. James 3. If you don't have a Bible, you can go to RaiderChurch.com on your phone. Just open up the web browser, go to RaiderChurch.com, uh, select message notes, and you can follow right along with us. The, the verses will be there. Let's go. James chapter 3, starting in verse 2, James says this. So for if we could control our tongue, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves. So if we could control our tongues and the words that we say, we could control ourselves. In other words, we could direct and guide our lives in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, James says, watch this, the tongue or our words that we speak, it's a small thing that makes grand speeches. A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame 
of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. Our words that we speak have that kind of ability, that that kind of power to corrupt our entire lives. It can set your whole life on fire, the tongue, your tongue, the, the words that come out of your mouth. For it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? In other words, salt water. Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. You know, a week ago, my, my son plays basketball. Levi, he's 10. And uh, my, my younger son, Coben, he's eight. He plays basketball as well. And uh, man, Coben just loves to play. He, he's going up and down the court. He sees his friends. He's talking. And, and they're kind of juking each other out when the play is like on the other side of the court. But he just loves it. Like, he's just having the, the best time. Levi, on the, uh, on the other hand, he's a little bit more like me. But before the game, like, he's getting super nervous. Like, his, his stomach is, is turning. In fact, even tonight, uh, I came from one of his games uh, to here. And, and he was, just before the game, he was so nervous. Just his stomach was in, in knots about playing this basketball game. And so a week ago, they're playing the best team in this league. And we're on the way to the game, and, and Levi's said, Dad, he's like, he's kind of hunched down in his chair, and uh, he's saying, Dad, they're, they're going to beat us. They're going to they're kill us. I'm going to play terrible. I'm going to do terrible. They're going to beat us. They're going to they're kill us. This is the best team, Dad. This is the best team. And I was like, Levi, you've got to stop talking like that. You've got to stop speaking like that. And I kept trying to change his attitude, and I, I just couldn't. I said, Levi, let's just, let's just stop talking about it. And I thought, you know what? I know what can change his mood and the attitude of everyone in the car. I know exactly what can change, what could be the difference maker, the greatest showman soundtrack. Right? And so, man, I, I put that on. We're listening to it. And, um, it, you know, it talks about the, the impossible coming true and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and the whole family's singing it. Levi's up in his chair. He's singing it. He knows all the words. He's singing every word to, to that song, the, the, the greatest showman. And so we get to the, to, the, uh, to the high school where he's playing. And we're walking up to the gym. And, and uh, Dad, he, or, or Levi goes, Dad, you know what? I said, what? And he goes, you know what? I, I think we can win this game. I said, oh, 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 really? I said, well, you know, what changed? He's like, well, we were singing that song about the impossible coming true. And I just kept saying that in my mind, that the, the impossible can come true. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's right, Levi. Go, yeah, it is possible. You guys can be, just like I was telling you, you know, you can beat this team. And I was trying to get him to understand that by saying those words, it was affecting his thoughts and affecting his mood, which then begins to affect your life. It begins to affect your actions. And so they went in and, and they played the, this great game and it was so close and it came down to the end and, and they lost, but, but it was close. It was close. They were, they should, they were expected to get beat by like 40. This, this team had been beating teams literally by 40 and, and 50 points and, and um, they lost by, by two and, and could have easily won it, but they, they did lose the game. But the point was still true, okay, that, that your words affect your thinking. And your thinking, the things that you think all the time and you repeat begin to affect your attitude, which then begins to affect your actions. And James says the same thing here. He says, our words carry great power, like the rudder on a ship, the way that you talk and the things that you say can steer your life and can alter your life and the lives of others. James would actually say that the, the way that we speak, the words that we say really say a lot about two different things. One, number one, the words that you say and the way that you talk say a lot about what you believe about God. Did you know that? The things that you say, the words that you speak, say a lot about what you believe about God. 
You know, if you're always telling yourself that whether it's you're a failure or you're, or you're not good enough or, or, or you're not pretty enough or, or you could never do this or, or I've done this, I, I've messed up, I'll never be able to do this. What, those words, all that talk say a lot about what you believe about God. You see, if that's the way that you talk about yourself or if you talk that way to other people by putting other people down, it says a lot about what you believe about God. In fact, what it says that you believe about God is you believe God's a liar. Because God has said in his word that when he made you, he crafted you with his own hands. He spoke everything into existence, the entire universe. He spoke with words into existence, but with you, it was different. He came down with his hands and with love and care, he formed you out of the dust of the ground. And then he didn't do this with anything else. God didn't do this with anything else he created. He formed you with his hands and then he breathed his own breath into you and gave you life. And then he looked at you and God said, it, you are Let that sink in. You are good. God made everything else but about you when God was going to make you. God said, let us make man, let us make woman in our own image. So Genesis 1 says, so in the image of God, he created you, male and female. He created you in his image. Image. It means you have his stamp. You have this divine signature seal on you. It's God's. You belong to him. And so when you speak all this negative stuff over your life and, and you begin to tell yourself things that don't match up with God's word or, or with what God says, you're calling God a liar. James said it here in, in James 3. He said, you, you and I and, and everyone in this room, everyone on the face of this planet was made in the image of God. God formed you with his hands. It says in Psalms that God put together all the delicate parts of who you are. And from the very beginning, from the day you were conceived, the Bible says in Psalms, he was watching being formed in your mother's womb. He was watching you. And so when we say things about ourselves or about others that don't match up with that, we're calling God a liar. You see, the way that you talk, the words that you speak say a lot about what you believe about God. It says a lot about what you believe about what God has done, his work. God says you're good when, when you don't agree with that. God says your, your, your friends, your, your family, the people that you go to school with, the people that you're on a team with, the people that you work with, they were made in the image of God. When you don't agree with that, you're calling God a liar. Secondly, James says it says a lot about your own heart. The words that you speak, the way that you talk, it says a lot about what's in your heart. Jesus said out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. And so our words, the way that we talk about ourselves and, and, and about others, it actually, it just points to what's going on in our heart. So, so let me ask you this, examine the way that you talk about yourself and the way that you talk to others. Just think about it with me for a second. Just examine it with me for a second. And now let me ask you, how is your heart? Is it healthy? Is it in a good place? You see, James said that fresh water and salt water, they don't come out of the same river. They don't come out of the same well. He said, does a, does a fig tree produce olives? A, a tree produces the fruit of its kind. An orange tree produces oranges. And what James is saying is that you can look at the way that you talk about yourself, 
and the things that you say over yourself and the things that you say about other people. You can look at those things like the fruit on a tree and examine your heart and know the condition of your heart by the way that you talk. So how's your heart? If you were to examine the way that you talk about yourself, the way that you talk about others, whether it's in front of them or, or behind their back, how, how is your heart? Is it in a good place or is it in a bad place? Some of us tonight need a change of heart. We need God to do something in us and, and in our hearts to change our hearts from the inside out so that out of the overflow of God moving and working in our hearts and, and because of his spirit, like we talked about last week, his spirit moving and working and changing our hearts from the inside, we begin to talk differently. Some of us tonight need a change of heart. We need God to do a miracle in our heart and to change us. And so you have a choice. You, you have a choice tonight. You can do one of two things. You can speak truth, which leads to life. You can choose to speak truth over your life and into your life and into others' lives, which we'll, we'll talk more about next week. But you have a choice. You can speak truth into your life, and it will bring life. Or you can continue speaking lies over your life and into your life, and it just brings death. Speaking truth over your life brings life. Speaking lies over your life and into your life brings death. And you have a choice. Much like God told the Israelites, you have a choice before you, life and death. Choose life that you might live. And so I would challenge you tonight, choose life that you might Live. Speak truth into your life and over your life. So, so what does that look like? How, do, how, how, how does that work just practically? How do we speak life and truth into our lives and, and, and over our lives? Well, we got to stop using some words and start using some other ones. So here's, here's how we're going to speak life and truth into our lives. We're going to start, we got to get rid of the words I can't. Because in Christ, we can do all things through him who strengthens us. And so in Christ, we can. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We've got to get rid of the words I can't and begin to speak over our lives that through Christ we can, I can. We've got to stop saying and get rid of the word impossible. Well, that's not possible. That can never happen for me. That's impossible. Family members sick, it's an impossible situation. Parents struggling in their marriage, it's an impossible situation. One day for you, you're in your marriage, times get tough, times get difficult. Well, it's impossible. We will never be reconciled back together. It's impossible. My parents got divorced, we'll probably get divorced. It's impossible to have a godly marriage these days. It's impossible to stay married. That's impossible. With God, all things are possible. One of my favorite stories about Jesus is there's this little girl who's sick and she's dying and, and the family comes to, to get Jesus and, and, and Jesus comes, but when he gets there, it's too late and everyone's crying and, and everyone's mourning the death of this little girl and, and, and Jesus comes in and, and says, basically, it's not, it's not too late. They're, they're saying she's dead, she's gone, it, it's impossible, Jesus, you're, you're, you're too late. And, and Jesus is, is like, no, it's not too late, she's just asleep. And they're like, no, Jesus, she's not sleeping, she's, she's dead. Jesus is like, no. Nah. And literally, the, it says that the people, most of the people that were there laughed at Jesus. Because something they thought was impossible, Jesus thought was possible, and they laughed at Jesus. And here's what happens next. Watch this. Jesus takes all the people who laughed at him, and he takes them out of the room. And then Peter and John and the parents are still in the room with Jesus, and 
Jesus goes over and he prays for this little girl and tells her to get up and she comes to life. The ones who laughed at Jesus missed out on the miracle. They didn't believe it was possible. But through Christ, all things are possible. What's too hard for man is not too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for our God. You guys heard me say this before, but one of the songs I love to sing with my kids is our God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing, nothing our God cannot do. Nothing. Nothing is too hard for him. So we've got to get rid of impossible because through Christ all things are possible. We've got to stop referring to ourselves and thinking of ourselves as stained or, or blemished or broken. And know and remember and claim that in Christ we are spotless. We are forgiven. We've been made clean. The Bible says if you're in Christ, your sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says that though your sins are like scarlet, like a stain, that in Christ you've been made white as snow without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish. You've received the righteousness of Christ. And so your position before God, if you're in Christ is now righteous and holy and without blemish and without stain. That's who you are now. If you are in Christ, you may mess up, you may screw up, but your position has not changed. If you're a follower of Jesus, some of you tonight, you're not. You still have the stain of of sin on your life. And the Bible is clear that we will not enter heaven with sin in our life. We can't. The Bible says that God is perfect. He is holy and righteous and cannot be in the presence of sin. And so if you've never given your life to Jesus, you still have the, the stain of sin. And listen, there is no amount of going to church or singing enough songs or praying enough prayers or trying harder and harder and harder and doing your best and getting better and changing this and stop doing this and start doing this. There is no amount of that stuff that can save you or forgive your sin. The Bible is clear in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done. We, it is a gift. It's a gift of God through Christ Jesus. The only way to heaven, the only way for that stain of sin to become spotless so that you're right with God is through Jesus. A relationship with him, giving your life to Jesus, trusting in Jesus' payment of your fine for your sin that he paid when he died on the cross. There is no other way, the Bible says. Acts 4.12 says that salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we can be saved. There is no other way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You don't go to the Father. You don't go to heaven except through me. It would be an arrogant thing to say if it wasn't true. But Jesus proved that it was true because he died on the cross. He he rose from the grave. He proved it to hundreds of people. Those people ended up giving their lives, saying they were eyewitnesses and that they saw Jesus risen from the dead. And so we say often around here that good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. And you're only forgiven of your sin when you give your life to Jesus. And so some of you here tonight, you need to make that decision. You need to give your life to Jesus for the first time. So the stain of sin through Jesus, through the blood of Christ, will be washed away and you can be spotless and holy and without blemish before a holy God. And if that's you, you want to give your life to Jesus, just fill out that card that was in your chair and check that box. It says, I'm committing my life to Christ. Take it to our Next Step Center in the lobby after the service. And, and we've got a team there that wants to pray with you and celebrate that decision with you. But if you're a follower of Jesus, we've, we've got to stop looking at our lives as, as still being stained or, or messed up or blemished or dirty. 
If you're a follower of Jesus, your sin has been removed. It was like scarlet. It was a stain. It has now been made white as snow. We've got to stop using the word failure. We've got to stop speaking that over our lives and, and into our lives because through Christ we are victors. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, where death is your victory. Where, where, where death is your victory? The, the, st the sting, Paul said, the sting of sin is death and death has been swallowed up in victory. And so Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, so thanks be to God through our Jesus Christ who has given us the victory through Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a victor. You're not a failure. You, you've been given victory through Jesus, victory over sin, victory over death. You can live this life in victory no matter what comes your way. You can live in victory and freedom because in Christ you're not a failure anymore. You're a victor. Jesus died on the cross, but three days later he rose from the grave victorious over sin and death. And so in Christ you're a victor. And even though we may struggle and suffer and go through trials in this life, you're a victor because one day you'll be in heaven for all of eternity where there's no more sickness, no more sadness, no more pain, no more death, no more disease or depression or anxiety. There's, there's no more, no more worry. You're a victor because no matter what happens in this life, you're a victor through Jesus. And so we speak life over ourselves and into ourselves and into other people that we are no longer, we are not failures. We are victors through Jesus Christ. You're not worthless. We don't speak over ourselves or say about ourselves that we're, that we're worthless or that we have no value because through Christ, you are now royalty. 1 Peter 2.9 says that you're a chosen race. You've been chosen by God. You're a holy priest. You're a royal nation. As a child of God, you're a part of this new spiritual family. It's a royal family. You are not worthless. You have value and worth. And you're a part of this new royal family and you're gonna receive an inheritance in heaven one day when you receive eternal life. You've got an inheritance waiting for you because you're royalty. And then if we want to speak life over ourselves and into ourselves, we got to start talking like, well, I, you know, I think this and, and I think that, and this is what I think. Listen, our opinions lead to death. And I'm just saying that about you. I'm saying that about me too. My opinions about stuff lead to death. And in reality, my opinion means nothing because I didn't create this universe. I didn't create me. I didn't, I didn't create you. The only person's opinion that matters is our creator's opinion. He's the one who designed us and created the universe and created you and me. And so he knows the way that life works best because he knows the way he designed you to do it. And so my opinions are, are, are really meaningless. And so in Christ and, and through God's word, we now can say, I don't have to think, I don't have to think, I don't really have to have opinions anymore. It, it's written. This is how we speak life and, and truth into ourselves and over us. It is written. You're like, well, what are you talking about? What does it mean? It is written. Well, when Jesus was in this desert for 40 days, 40 nights, he's fasting and praying and spending time with God. The devil comes to tempt Jesus. Try to knock him off course, just like the devil will do in your life. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He was coming to take Jesus out. He wanted to take Jesus down. And so the devil starts speaking lies to Jesus and trying to tempt him. And each time, Jesus responded back to the devil with God's word. It is written. And three different times the, the devil tempted him. And three different times Jesus came back. He talked back to the devil and said, no, 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 no. 
It is written. And then he quoted God's word. And after the third time, the Bible says the devil left Jesus. You see, we don't, we don't have to form our own opinions about life. We have God's word. And when we read God's word and, and pray God's word and speak God's word, it begins to change who you are from the inside out. And you can begin to respond like Jesus did when you feel a lie or feel the devil tempting you or, or begin to think something that, that's, that's not true. You can say, no, 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 that's, that's not true. It is written and respond with God's word just like Jesus did. So you got to start talking back. You grew up talking back to your parents, right? You argue with your brother and sister. You may argue with a friend. You might argue with a professor or a coach. You, listen, you've been talking back your whole life. What, why don't we talk back to the devil? We start saying lies about ourselves. We start believing lies about ourselves. Jesus didn't take that. He said, no, no, no. It is written. This is God's word. This is what's true. That's a lie. You need to start talking back with it is written. And you can only do that, as Romans 12, 2 says, as you are transformed by the renewing of your mind and the renewing of your heart. You see, some of us can't talk back and can't confront the lies because we don't know God's truth. We don't spend time in God's truth. And so, we can't do that. But Paul said in Romans 12, we, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that happens as you spend time reading God's word, the, the, the truth. Because the truth leads to life. You spend time reading God's word enough. You, you, you pray God's word over your life. You begin to speak God's word over your life and into your life. And guess what? It leads to life and freedom and joy. Because the truth always leads to life. And so you have a choice. You can speak truth or you can speak lies. But as God said to Israel, you have a choice before you. You can choose life. You can choose death. But choose life that you might live. And if you're going to choose life tonight, then you've got to begin to transform your mind and your heart because like Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You've got to transform your mind and your heart. And the only way that's going to happen is if you start getting in God's word and reading it and praying it and speaking it out loud. I've got a friend named Chris. We grew up together since we were in preschool. Our, friends were, our, our parents were friends in college and we were friends and we went to the same uh, church in middle school and in high school and we were in a small group together and then uh, we were on staff at a church together. I was a youth pastor and he was the, the worship leader and then he went to, to seminary and then I started doing some seminary online and I was still a youth pastor and then he came back to Lubbock. He moved back to Lubbock from, uh, from the Metroplex. He was going to seminary there, started a church here in Lubbock called Experience Life. Many of you know Experience Life was the church that, that planted Raider Church. And so we owe him and, and that church a lot. But Chris, growing up, he, he was always shy. He, but he was never fearful. He wasn't anxious. But he was shy. But... But we were friends. I mean, we, we grew up together. We were in a small group together. We went to church. I mean, we were close. And so I, I knew him. I, I know him very well. I know him probably better than anyone. He, he was never shy, but then he started a church. And there's something about starting a church that just brings out your insecurities and your fears and as E-Life grew, Chris began to struggle greatly with fear and anxiety, which led to many panic attacks. I've been in planes with him and in the back of cars with him. 
whether it was in Lubbock or Atlanta or Corpus Christi, I've been in all kinds of different places and seen him so anxious and overcome with anxiety and fear that he would have panic attacks and many times thought we were gonna take him to the hospital. One time I saw him after preaching on a Saturday, he left and on a, he left the building before the service, you know, and he just told me, he said, I'm, I'm going to the emergency room. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm having a heart attack. And I went, after the service was over, I, I went up to the hospital and I saw him and he was pale white. And he'd come to find out he'd been having panic attacks, anxiety attacks. He was overcome with fear and anxiety. That had never been him before, but as he started a church and as it grew, those things began to come out. And he realized that he was going to have to fight his fear with faith and with truth. And so in those moments, he, when he would begin to be overcome with fear, he would start to recite some verses that he had memorized and, and, and written down. And, and over time and over the years, that list grew and grew. And then he, he began to learn that he couldn't just do it in the moment. He had to, every day, he had to recite these verses. And then he began to learn, he had to speak these verses. And then it began to be where he would actually say these things out loud, like he would, when his time with the Lord each day, he would read through these verses and he would speak them over himself. And he would say, I, I would, he told me this last week, he said, I would say them confidently out loud, like I was preaching to myself. He said, I have no idea what my family thinks of me because they, they hear me in here and I'm like saying these verses, almost like shouting them, like I'm preaching these verses to myself. But he said, Clayton, these verses, they, they've, they've changed my life. I didn't want to live in fear. And so he's been speaking these verses and out loud over himself and he called them fearless affirmations that he would preach to himself and speak over himself so that he could deal with the fear and the anxiety and, and the panics, the attacks that would come up. And so every day he speaks these things, he preaches to himself these verses. And you know what, in spite of his fear, God has used Chris tremendously in our city and around the world in places like Thailand. God has used Chris in my life to challenge me that as Raider Church has started and, and we've gone on to continue to be a coach to me and a, and a pastor to me. And so I owe so much to him. We owe so much to him and to experience life for starting Raider Church. God has used him tremendously, even though he has struggled with fear and anxiety, but he hasn't let that keep him down. He continues to speak the truth of God over his life so that he doesn't succumb to that fear. And you've got those verses in your chair. It's on a card there. On one side, it says fearless affirmations. On the other side, it's, it's the verses and the things that he says to himself and he preaches to himself each day. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. This week, I want to challenge you to talk to yourself, to preach to yourself. If you don't like paper, I challenge you to take a picture of it with your phone. That's what I like to do. I like digital stuff. I don't like paper, but if you like paper, then you can put it in your Bible or journal or, or, or wherever, or take a picture of it and take this with you. But I want to challenge you to try something, an experiment this week that you would take this card and you would read these verses over your life and speak them out loud, verbally out loud, speak them over yourself each day this week and see what God begins to do in your heart and in your mind as he transforms you from the inside out with the truth of his word. So that's my first challenge. I want you to talk to yourself this week preach to yourself, read those verses and say those things out loud confidently. Speak life over yourself. Speak truth over yourself and see what God will do and how he might alter the direction of your life, just like James said. And here's the second challenge. 
If you are not on a Bible reading plan where you're already reading through the Bible on a consistent basis, I would challenge you to get the YouVersion Bible app on your phone. I've got it, this is what I use. And read, set up a one-year Bible plan, it's what I do, and, and I read through the Bible. It gives me verses from the Old Testament, from uh, Psalms and Proverbs, from the Gospel, from the New Testament. And so I read those each day. And that's how I spend time with God, is I'm just reading God's Word and then I'm praying His Word as I read it. And so I would challenge you, if you're not on a reading plan, if, if you're not really good at, at spending time reading your Bible or things like that, and you want to, and you wanna be transformed by the renewing of your mind and your heart, I would challenge you, choose life. Choose truth. And get into God's word. Start that reading plan to begin to read God's word each day and pray God's word and speak God's word over your life so that just like Jesus did, you could say, it is written. I wanna invite you to stand and as you stand, close your eyes. Our band's gonna lead us in, in worship to close out here in just a minute, but as you're standing, just close your eyes and we're gonna to begin to worship, but I wanna read these verses and speak them over you and into your life tonight. And so if you're comfortable, just kinda of bow your head, close your eyes, and just stick your hands out, kinda of with your palms up, like you're just kinda of receiving God's word into your life. If you're comfortable, do it. If you're not, don't, it's totally fine. But, but if you are, just kinda of bow your head, close your eyes, and just kinda of stand there with your palms up, like you're receiving God's word into your life tonight. You will not be afraid because God is with you. Isaiah 41, verse 10. You will be strong and courageous. Joshua 1, 9. You will not worry about anything. Instead, you will pray about everything. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. You have received God's spirit when he adopted you as one of his own children. You are a child of God. Romans 8, 15. I do not have a spirit of fear and timidity. You do not have a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. You will let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Galatians 5, 16. You will not retreat from your mission in fear, but you will risk your life on mission in faith. Acts 21, 13. You will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which you are an ambassador. Ephesians 6, verse 20. You will not try to please people because you are a servant of Christ. Galatians 2, 20. You will give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. You will not be afraid because the Lord is your light and your salvation. He is your fortress protecting you from danger. Psalm 27, one through three. You will seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything you need. Matthew 6, 33. You know the Lord is always with you. And so you won't be shaken for he is right beside you. Even right now, he's right beside you. Psalm 16, eight. You will not be afraid you trust in God and know that God is on your side. Psalm 56, you will be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Ephesians 6 verse 10, you will not love your life so much that you are afraid to die. Revelation chapter 12, God, it is written, your word God will set us free and give us victory and it leads to life. And so as we sing God, as we and as we speak these words, even as we sing, God, transform our hearts, transform our minds. In Jesus' name we pray.